Good morning, everyone. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor here at Woodburn Baptist Church. I'm so glad to see you. Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke. It's going to change the order of my plan today and what I'm sharing, so the, the scripture that's printed is not what I'm doing until tonight. I'm going to do Luke chapter 11 this morning and start with verse 14. Sermon series entitled Paranormal Activity, what the Bible says about all things dark and scary and weird. Today I want us to talk about the devil and demons, and let's do this all day long. We'll come back tonight with another message and, and follow up. The, the devil, the demons. I told you in the first message that I'm kind of a scaredy cat. I've, I've, I've never been really, really brave, although I've always been kind of interested and drawn to scary stuff. Uh, it's just kind of how, how my brain's wired. Um, as I grew up, I, I learned that there are a lot of things that there are no such things as, no, no, no ghosts to be afraid of, no monsters, n- nothing like that. But, but growing up in church, I, I did come to the realization that there are some things in the world that there are such things as, and, and things that perhaps I should pay some attention to, and among those things are, are, are demons. And I did learn that in church. And so honestly, growing up, I did become quite afraid for a, for a while of the devil, afraid of, of, of demons. Um, there were movies out when I was a kid like The Exorcist or movies like Rosemary's Baby. I never even saw these movies and they still scared me. That They still scared me. There's something about dark power. There's something about evil that makes it very photogenic. You know what I mean? You can make a great movie uh, about demons and the devil and they still make those movies. Uh, they always show the, the possession, the exorcism. It's always dramatic and scary. And the person possessed by demons is doing backflips and turning inside out and rolling their eyes around. And I mean, that's scary. That's scary. And so growing up and trying to grow in, in Christ, I, I've struggled with this. How do you keep this reality of the devil and reality of demons in its proper place? Because even though they may be real and even though they may have some dark power, you've got to understand that, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. You have to understand that while they are real, they're not necessarily something that you should fear if you know Christ. One day one of our men came up and said, Pastor Tim, I've been pastor here 16 years and this has happened maybe twice. A guy came and said, Pastor Tim, I heard that there are Satan worshipers in Warren County I ought to believe that in Logan County, but Warren County, in Warren County, and they're starting to pray to the devil against all the churches and our names on the list. So? I mean, so? Honestly, I'd be disappointed not to be on that list. I I mean, I I, want to be on that. I mean, that's weird, But, but if the you know, devil's making a list of all the churches he hates in Warren County. I don't want to be, you know, not on that list. Another time I was ministering to a family. Father was dying. And uh, I was told to watch out for their son because he's a high priest in the church of Satan. Okay. Turns out he's a big high priest. I mean, like big. I mean, he was gigantic guy. Just, 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 just gigantic guy. Um, when I met him, he told me. You know, introduced himself, said, I'm, you know, high priest of Satan. I said, I'm Pastor Woodburn Baptist Church. <laughs> it was really interesting ministering to this family, including the high priest of Satan. I'll never forget when his father died, the high priest of Satan. Um, 
looked at me with tears coming out of his face, and he said, would you read the 23rd Psalm? Pastor, would you read the 23rd Psalm? And I read the 23rd Psalm, and tears streamed down his face. You understand? There is a greater power. And in that moment, even the high priest of Satan recognized he needed something from God. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. Let, let, let's talk about it. It's alarming in, in our day and age. Again, I said when I was a kid, we tended to be afraid of demons and, and those things were scary. But we're living in a different culture now. And in some ways, it's scarier to me uh, the way young people and, and the generation behind me is, is coming along. We now live in a day where a, a popular star like Beyonce can openly talk about her possession with, with, a, with a, an evil spirit. She openly talks about that. And it's not portrayed as something dark, weird, or scary. And, and your daughters and perhaps your sons enjoy her music and, and, and they hear what she says. And uh, at the Super Bowl, she openly lays down in a pentagram and allows this demon into her. And then she performs and shakes her booty. You understand? It's, it's so bizarre because no one is concerned about that. She, she can be famous. You know, artists like Nicki Minaj who also talk about the demons that live in, inside of her. And these aren't, these aren't necessarily people out of the mainstream anymore. And, and these are people that our kids know. And they can sit on the Ellen DeGeneres show or any other show in People Magazine in an interview and just talk openly about their interaction with demons. And in our culture, that is no longer anything, anything to bat an eye at. And that worries me. It, it, it worries me. You see, there's kind of a balance. There's a place we have to find. It is a mistake, perhaps, to believe too much. And maybe there are times in my life when I believed too much, when I gave the devil way too much power, way too much, way too much ability to, 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 to manipulate me with fear. There are probably people who believe too much. They see a demon behind every bush. They hear a demon in every rock music song. Maybe they just think too much about it. But understand, there's an equal and opposite and maybe more dangerous mistake, and that is not to believe at all, not to believe at all in the reality of the devil. So, so let's come back to Luke chapter 11, verse 14, and watch and listen to Jesus. This is amazing, and at the end of what we're going to read, you're going to hear the parable of the haunted house. I love this. Parable of the haunted house. This is Jesus, Luke chapter 11, verse 14. One day Jesus cast out a demon from a man who couldn't speak. I, I love this. Actually, in the Greek it says, one day Jesus cast out a demon from a man, and it was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. It's just kind of funny to me. One day, Jesus cast out a demon from a man, and it was dumb. And when the demon was gone, the man began to speak. The crowds were amazed, but some of them said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Others trying to test Jesus demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. He knew their thoughts. So Jesus said, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. You say I'm empowered by Satan? But if Satan is divided and fighting against himself, how can his kingdom survive? And if I am empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? 
They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you've said. But if I'm casting out demons by the power of God, the word there is finger, by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. For when a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace, his possessions are safe until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons and carries off his belongings. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. Anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert searching for rest, but when it finds none, it says, I will return to the person, to the house I came from. So it returns and finds that its former house is all swept and in order, Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. Well, Brother Tim, I don't know if I believe all that stuff. I don't know if I believe all that about demons. I I understand. I understand. There's some people who say, you know, that this is an ancient culture and, and the Jews were particularly religious and so it would be natural for them to explain things they don't understand in kind of spiritual superstitious terms. So when they encountered a person who had a mental illness or maybe epilepsy or something that they didn't have a medical diagnosis for, they just called it demons. And so we understand so much more now and we would treat this person perhaps medically or therapeutically. We have, we have medication to treat these things now. So, you know, the, the demon stuff, that's, that's just for ancient times, superstitious kind of people, you know, tribes, people out in the bush. But, but you know, we're, we're past that now. We understand mental illness. and Really? Really? Let me say several things here. First off, demonic possession possession with evil spirits is one of the most pervasive phenomena and pervasive beliefs in every world culture now let that sink in anthropologists and I'm not talking about Christian anthropologists specifically I'm talking about just scientists anthropologists sociologists who study human culture will tell you that the possession with evil spirits exists and happens in every culture As long as human beings have been on the planet to the present day, this kind of experience where someone feels taken over, inhabited, but by some evil presence, this is something that has happened and that people have talked about and and cultures have struggled against from the very beginning and to this day. Look it up. Anthropologists continue to find people groups everywhere, and this is what they describe. They they describe this. So this isn't specific just to people who believe in God and the devil. It's not specific just to people who know about Jesus. It's not. This has happened everywhere and in every culture. And when Jesus came on the scene, it's what he found among the Jewish people. This is everywhere. So it's not just something that happens when people have read the Bible or something that happens when they believe in God or or become captivated with the devil. No, this is a really bizarre but real human experience, and we call it possession. And the interesting thing is that in our day and age, people don't necessarily want to talk about it or, or believe in it. 
But I don't know if you can get away from it. I don't know if you can escape this. This happens, and it's real, and the human family has always experienced it, but, but never really understood it. Never really understood it. The, the second thing that you have to struggle with is that obviously Jesus believes it. Obviously Jesus believes it. He, he walks up, he sees a man with a demon, and he casts the demon out. You understand? So Jesus would have understood medicine, and Jesus would have understood the diagnosis. You understand? He's a great physician. But, but Jesus, obviously, cast out demons throughout his ministry. It, it's a part of what he does. And it's still a part of what he does. And you and I need to learn how to think about that. Because it matters a lot. It matters a lot on this day. It's interesting. Jesus comes up, he finds a man who can't speak. Sometimes we say that person would be deaf and, and, and dumb. We don't mean unintelligent. It's just that dumb is one of the ways we talk about a person who can't speak. That's why the, the Bible says Jesus cast out a demon and it was dumb. And after the demon was gone, the, the man could speak. And you'll notice here, uh, the Pharisees, the religious crowd around Jesus, this infuriates them. Now, I never understand that, but it infuriates them. Here's a man who's delivered. Here's a man who is set free. Here's a man who could not speak, and now his tongue is loosened and he can speak. And people get mad about that. That's just mind-blowing to me. But, but they're angry about it. They're offended by what Jesus does, even though in their day, and even though the, the Jews, they had exorcists too. Now, that's interesting. You may not have thought about that, but the Jews did exorcisms. As I say, nearly every culture does. They have some sort of ritual, some sort of way to try to get the evil out of people. And the Jews had exorcisms really all the time. So Jesus isn't doing something shocking to them. He's not doing something that other people didn't do. They did. It's just the way Jesus does it. That is so shocking. It's the way Jesus does it. It is his power that they can't explain. Now, I remind you, the Jews did exorcisms. It was an amazing show that you should look into this. It's just mind-blowing, mind-blowing what they would go through to try to get a demon out of a person. They had these amazing rituals that they would have this, this ring and they would put the ring down the person and then pull it back out its nose and just kind of hope the demon hangs on and comes out. Pull it out his nose. Yeah. Sometimes they would fumigate a person. They'd try to smoke it out. I mean, and this is an amazing show. I mean, you come out of your house to see this. They try to smoke the demon out, or sometimes they just get sticks and try to beat the devil out of them. It, it was amazing. It was hard work. The Jews made it look hard because it was hard. Except it's not hard for Jesus. This is the amazing thing here. It's almost the funny part. This isn't hard for Jesus. When I was a kid, my granddaddy, my, he was a great man, but he was kind of a rough man. And my granddaddy had one seat on the couch. It was one cushion that was always his. And if one of the kids got in my granddaddy's seat, he'd just walk in and go, get. He did. He'd just go, get. And when he went, get, we got. I mean, you just get. You did not want to be in L.D. Pearson's seat. Get. And we get. And that's what Jesus does. He just sort of walks up, sees a demon, and man says, get. And the demon gets. Just, just gets. And nobody understands that. The Jews don't understand that. 
It's supposed to be harder work. There's supposed to be more of a show to it. They'd sometimes put a big bowl of water out by the possessed person. So maybe when the demon ran out, he'd trip over the water and turn it out, and they know the demon was gone. But Jesus just goes, get. It's really interesting. Look what Jesus says. If I'm empowered by Satan, well, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they'll condemn you for what you have said. But if I'm casting out demons by the... New Living Translation says power of God. What Jesus says there is if if I'm casting out demons with the finger of God, and I I love that. Why do I love that? I'm casting out demons with God's little finger. It's just God's little finger. You understand? It's the power. And, And realize Jesus has ultimate power, all power, all authority is his. He's casting out devils with God's little finger. It's really not even something that causes him to break a sweat. And this is the shocking part for the Jews. This is the amazing thing. Not that he can do it, but the ease with which he does it. This is really no work because the demons yield to the Lord of the universe. You understand? They yield to him. They surrender. They cannot stand when Jesus says, So here's the story. And then Jesus goes on to to teach from here. So Jesus encounters a man who's demon-possessed, and Jesus casts out the demon. And it happens frequently in his ministry. So I guess the question that we would ask today is, does this still happen? Is every person who perhaps is, is mute, not able to speak, or have, has a hearing impairment, is there a demon behind that? person who we would say has epilepsy or maybe a person who has some sort of mental illness, maybe a, a depression or an anxiety disorder. Is, is, there, is there a demon behind that? You kind of always thought your ex-wife is the devil. Is there a demon behind her? Does this still happen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't answer all of those questions. I, I can't, but, but you've got to understand that this happens. It, it, it still happens. So how are we supposed to think about it? And how do we know if it's happening to us? And how do we keep it from happening to us? Let's just, let, let me show you something here. It, it's really kind of amazing. In this passage... When it talks about Satan, if I'm empowered by Satan, Jesus says, and they say he gets his power from, from Satan, they're using a word there that, that is not in the New Living Translation, but understand the word is Beelzebub. It's one of the ancient names of the devil, one of the ancient names of Satan. It's the name that they use here in this passage, Jesus and the Jews. They don't call him Satan here. They actually call him Beelzebub. You know what the name Beelzebub means? Yeah, it means Lord of the Flies. Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies. One of the ancient names of Satan is the Lord of the Flies. Interesting. Now, if he's the Lord of the Flies, who are the flies? The the demons. Yeah, the the demons were thought of as kind of demon flies. You you understand? So so here's the picture, and it's an ancient sort of picture, but but the devil is uh, envisioned as the lord of of the flies, and the demons, his angels, of course, the fallen angels that were cast out of heaven, these are like flies. 
It's actually a pretty good image and a, and a pretty important way to think about this. He's, he's the Lord of the flies and the demons, all of the, 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 the number of angels that, that have fallen that rebelled with Satan. They now are, are on the earth and they're like flies. Now, a lot of us are country people. What do you know about flies? Where do flies gather? Church potlucks, but that's a, probably a different sermon. Where do flies gather? Well, in the country, oh, manure piles are a pretty good place to find flies. Also, maggots. I mean, I remember one day me and Eric Gill were going down to the end of his road, and there was this dead deer in the ditch. And I know that makes y'all sick, but we were really excited. I mean, that's the coolest thing we've found in forever. So we went with sticks. You want to poke dead things with sticks? I encourage you to do that. You just poke dead things with sticks. And when we did, we sort of exposed this part of the deer, and when it flipped up, maggots inside of me. It, it was gross and awesome all at the same time. This is crawling with maggots, flies. Yeah, so what is it about flies? They are attracted to, to, to manure. They're attracted to death, uh, attracted to carcasses, to, to rotting things, to, to dying things. So here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think of the devil and his demons as like flies. They are attracted to, to, to refuse. They are attracted to, to garbage. They're attracted to rotting and dying things. And so the more garbage you have in your life, the more there is in your own heart that is, in fact, decaying, rotting, the, the more death you have in you, the more attractive you become to the Lord of the flies. You understand what I'm saying? They are attracted, kind of like rats, to a garbage heap. And the more garbage you have in your life, the more rats you'll be crawling with. Do you understand? They're attracted to that. It's the first kind of picture that the scripture gives us, that, that he's truly the, the Lord of the flies. And, and the demons are, are, are like that. They swarm any place there's death or, or decay. One man says that, that, that every person controls the door of his or her own life. Every person controls the door. Perhaps that's some sort of statement about free will. I think it's a statement about the image of God in us. Remember I've said that we were created to be a temple of the Holy Spirit, created to, to allow the Holy Spirit to inhabit us. I remind you that the scripture says that Jesus stands at the door, like, like the door of, of the house, the door of your heart, and he knocks, and he waits for you to open that door. Every person controls the door to his or her own house. So I want you to understand that this possession is possible because somehow the way God has created us, we are truly like a house. We are truly like a, a temple, and we were created and intended to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. You understand? God wants to dwell in us. His spirit is supposed to inhabit us. But if that house stays empty, if, if that house is not inhabited by the Holy Spirit, then understand your heart is vacant. It's empty and it's available. And so the devil is going to try to find his way in. Now, I, I want to understand, he, he really doesn't have that much power. 
The devil is not an equal to God, and we'll talk more about this in the next message. He's not God's equal. He, he can't read your thoughts. He, he's not everywhere. He's not, he's not omnipotent, all-powerful. He's not omnipresent. He's not present everywhere. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's a creature, a, a fallen creature. He, he really is not that big. He's not that powerful. He has one, really only one real tool in his arsenal, one weapon that he uses against you, and his weapon is to lie. Jesus says he's the liar and the father of lies. So, so listen, really the only thing he can do is lie to you, but he's good at it. He, he's good at it. And he doesn't have anything to do. Sort of his full-time job is just to watch you and study you, and he will discover your weaknesses. He will discover your weaknesses because here's the thing. He wants you to open the door and let him in. He, he really wants you to allow him into your life. He really wants to, to come in. The problem with, with the devil is he'll, he'll ask you for a ride, but then he always wants to drive. So he really, he's going to ask you for a ride. He's just going to ask for some sort of entrance. And the thing is, he's going to, if he gets in at all, he'll get in without you ever knowing what you let in. You understand? Because he's a liar. Obviously, if the devil just kind of rolls up in your driveway and rings the doorbell, you're not going to give him entrance. If the devil just shows up, you know, like you expect him to look, then you're not going to let him in. He's going to worm his way in through the cracks of your life, though. He's going to appeal to you in some way where you really won't even know what you're dealing with. You really won't even know what you're letting in. I guess one of his deceptions, one of his great tools these days is the way we picture him. We picture him dark or, or red with, with horns. Or, or maybe you picture him like in the movies with a possessed person who's doing backflips or, or, or has you know, scratches and cuts or, or speaks in loud voices and wild languages and has superhuman strength. And you picture that and you figure, well, that's not me. That's not me. And, and I guess that's the devil's thing. While you're expecting this, you know, he's, he's like the magician who distracts you with this hand, and with this hand he's taking the wallet out of your pocket. You see, you're looking for the devil to approach you in a certain direction, in a certain way, and you really don't even acknowledge the way he worms his way in your life. L -l -l Let's just be honest. Some of us imagine that the devil were to take over our lives, you know, we'd end up living in a van down by the river. If, if the devil were to take over our lives, that, that we would, you know, become some sort of horrible, in, in, insane person. But I'm not really sure that's the devil's goal at all. I'm not sure that his real aim so much as to possess you. He'd do that if you let him. But he's honestly, I think he's just as satisfied just to sort of ruin your marriage. You understand? That's his work too. And that's where you're not even acknowledging that he's there. You, you listen to his voice in the times when you don't even know that it's the devil talking to you. And this is how he gets his way into your life. He, he just whispers to you, and it's always a lie. It might be a lie that sounds true. He may even tell you what you want to believe. But, but, but what I'm saying is he's always coming at you, but, but probably not in the Hollywood and dramatic way that, that you've been led to, to picture it happening. 
the way the, the, the flies begin to swarm you, understand, they just be, begin to come toward the, the junk, the garbage, what's rotting in your own life. And, and that's most likely you know, something like unforgiveness. Understand? The devil can totally destroy you if he can just make you hate. He can, he can absolutely own you if he can just somehow worm his way in through something like a grudge that you keep. Doesn't have to necessarily come in and, and, and destroy you physically. He's going to destroy you spiritually. He just wants to separate you from God. You understand? So it's really not so much possession you need to fear, it's just sin. It's sin that you're supposed to be guarding against because sin is going to be how he conquers you. Your sin, the sin that's already in your life. You understand? That's his work. That's him. That's the death. That's the decay. That's the refuse in your life that the flies will swarm. It's the sin in your life. Possession's real. It's another story, but I'm telling you, that's probably not how the devil's going to do his work in your life. He's just going to make you love your sin. And the more room you make for sin in your life, the more control he has. Sin. Understand? Oh my goodness, you think of Satan worshipers and Satanists out there, and they're out there sacrificing a virgin somewhere in a pentagram in somebody's barn, burning candles and killing chickens and slaughtering virgins. Don't you understand? The devil's probably not going to try to get you to sacrifice a virgin. But if he can cause you to give up your virginity after prom, understand? He wins. It's not so much trying to get you to kill a chicken, but if he can just get you to believe that you don't have any friends at church. If he can just get you to believe that, that nobody really cares about you. Loneliness is one of the ways he can really worm his way into your life. Because like any predator, if he can just separate you from everybody else. Make you think you don't have anybody. Make you think nobody cares about you then his is the only voice you listen to. Understand? Doesn't have to make you believe and worship him. Doesn't have to make you tattoo Lucifer on your bicep. I've seen that before lately. Not necessarily. But if he can just convince you that you can never change, if he can just make you believe that you can never change, I'm making sense. Look at this. Jesus wraps up with a parable. It's interesting. Nobody ever preaches this. When an evil spirit leaves a person, he goes out into the dry places searching for rest, finds none. When it, when it finds none, it says, I'll, I'll go back to my house. I'll go back to the person I came from. So it returns, and, and it finds that house empty, swept and in order, Spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there, and the person is worse off than before. Okay, what is the danger? What is it that makes us vulnerable to the devil, the Lord of the flies, and the demon flies? What is it that makes us vulnerable? We'll look at Jesus' parable. 
the, the demon leaves, and we don't know exactly why he leaves. Perhaps an exorcism, maybe he just goes out looking for a better place, but, but once he's gone, he thinks, I'm going to go back. I'm just going to go back to that person. And when he goes back to the person, what's he find? He finds an empty house, but it's actually kind of swept and clean. So he comes back, but he, then he brings back seven others uglier than he is, and they all move in. And the person's worse off than before. That's it's Jesus teaching there about how demons operate. Isn't that fascinating? Well, what do we learn from it? Number one, what makes you vulnerable is an empty house. You listening to me? What makes you vulnerable is an, is an empty house. You're created as a house, as a place that the Holy Spirit of God can inhabit. When you do not allow Jesus, when you do not allow the Holy Spirit to control and inhabit you, when you do not let your life, your body, become a temple for the Holy Spirit, then, then you're empty. You're like a, a house that's left empty. Now, that doesn't mean that the devil can just, can just walk right in, kick the door in and walk in, but, but understand, it's empty, and that makes you available, and that makes you very vulnerable. So here's a picture. Here's a Somehow a person who manages to get the devil out once, gets the devil out once, and then they get their house in order. You following this parable? They get their house in order. They sweep, and they make it all clean. They get everything together. Has this ever been a, like a story out of your own life where, where you get to one of these moments in your life when you kind of try to pull yourself back together and you try to clean up your life? And you try to get rid of all of, the, all of the junk in your life and all the garbage. You take all that out and you clean the place and sweep the place. And you do pretty good for a while. This is that picture. that The person who manages to push the devil out of their life for some period of time. But the house is still empty. You with me? The house is still empty. And sooner or later the devil finds his way back in. But this time when he comes in, brings seven other demons with him. And the person is worse off than when they started. Now that is a chapter of some of your lives right there. And it explains why you can't do it by yourself. It explains why you try your best to somehow break the addiction. You, you, you try your best to get away from the friends. You, you try your best to be a better man, to be a better person. You try your best and you're trying it all on your own. And you may have some success for a short period of time. For a little while, you may actually be a better husband. For a little while, you may actually be a better person. For a little while, you may even stay sober. But then something happens and all of a sudden, you don't just go back, you fall further than you ever, ever were before. You go into a deeper pit than you came out of. And Jesus explains why. Your house is empty. Your heart's empty. And no matter how many times you take out the garbage, it will continue to accumulate because you're living in the garbage heap. Do you understand? No matter how many times you try to push all of the death and, and, and decay out of your life, it continues to draw the flies. Do you understand? Because you may be able to push out the death, but you can't bring yourself to life. 
Jesus says that the devil is like a strong man. And as long as he's allowed to just rule the house, as long as he is allowed in, he will take over and he will guard what belongs to him. He will guard his possessions. And right now, he's got a lock on some of your lives. He's got a lock on your life because you've given it to him. And he imagines now that you belong to him. He's going to fight to keep you. It is not easy for you. But understand, Jesus goes on to say, a strong man like Satan is fully armed and guards his palace. He guards his possessions. Verse 22, until someone even stronger attacks and overpowers him, strips him of his weapons, carries off his belongings. He has to run off in his underwear. Who is the one who is stronger? It's Christ. It's Christ. It's not you. If you could do this on your own, you would have already done it. You understand? If there were really medication that would completely fix you, you'd already be fixed. Medication may be an important start, but you've got to deal with the spiritual junk in your life. You got to deal with the spiritual junk in your life. Jesus is the strong man. Brother Tim, does this really happen to people? Yeah, of course it does. It doesn't look like a Hollywood movie. Of course it doesn't. It doesn't look like that. It just looks like people like you and me who keep getting drawn back into the darkness and keep getting drawn back into sin and we keep going back to the things that we know destroy our lives. We keep going back like slaves because we don't have control. We gave control over a long time ago to, to a strong man. Jesus calls him a strong man. Jesus calls him that stronger than you he's not stronger than Christ so understand the way that you invite him in it's probably not so much with a Ouija board it might have more to do with your internet pornography habit understand it may not be by the way you read the satanic bible there is one might have something to do with the way you don't read the real bible you know, understand what i'm saying devil's not necessarily trying to get you to hate people and kill people he's just as happy to let you you know be kind to your friends but then just hate the people that you know are your enemies he's satisfied with that understand Try to make you hate people, just don't forgive them either. You don't have to hate, just don't ever give your heart over to the love of Jesus. High priest of Satan, sitting in front of me, when his daddy died, he melted. He melted. And he said, read the 23rd Psalm. I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He 
maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the tears rolled down his face. You do not have to leave your heart empty any longer. You do not have to remain a slave to the strong man in your life. You do not have to live this way. It seems impossible to you to break free. But I'm telling you, Jesus can do this for you. With the power in his little finger, he can simply say the word and set you free. But you will have to want that. You will have to choose that. Every person controls the door to their own heart. Pray with me. Oh, Lord Jesus, some of us know what it is to live in that kind of emptiness and darkness. Some of us know what it is to try and try and try to clean up our own lives, Lord. But somehow, somehow, Lord, before we've even swept the floor, Lord, already the garbage is piling up again. Lord, we just can't do this. We can't do it. Lord Jesus, we feel sometimes so powerless before evil. Sometimes, Lord, we feel so powerless before temptation, Lord. All the things that we say that we're never going to do again, Lord, we're doing again before lunch. All of the people we said that we were going to stay away from, Lord, we continue to run back to them, Lord. It's as if we just can't. We cannot, Lord, do this on our own. We need strength. We need power. We need a name above all other names, Lord, that we might somehow come up against the evil, Lord, in our own lives. That we might somehow, Lord, drive the flies from our lives, Lord. And we know that that name is Jesus. We know, Lord, that that name is yours. So, Lord Jesus... Let us open the door of our heart to you, and may you fill us. May your Holy Spirit fill us to the place where there's no room for anything else. No room, Lord. When the devil comes knocking on the door of our hearts, Lord, may he find our heart already taken by you, inhabited, Lord. We're going to be possessed. We just want to be possessed by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. You fill us. You take us. You control us because we know, Lord, in your hands, under your control, our lives will be blessed. Our lives will be full. Our lives will be full of life and not death.
Lord Jesus, we call upon your name today to deliver us from all evil, to set, Lord, our hearts clean and pure, and to come in, Lord, make your home with us. Help us, Lord Jesus, today to say yes to you and no, no to anything else that comes knocking at the door of our heart. We were created for you and you alone. Lord Jesus, help us to belong to you. We pray in your holy name. Amen.